Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. What in the world do you do uh, at holiday season? Uh, Is there a way that you can maybe make your holidays uh, more focused on Jesus? Uh, Today we're going to have in our podcast uh, an opportunity to hear from a guy who just decided one time he wanted to make uh, Christmas and the rest of the holidays uh, more focused on the Lord. And I think you'll learn something today and also give you an opportunity to pick up a little resource. Welcome back into the Set Life Studio, Dr. Anna Dobb. Anna comes in each week and just talks with us about, uh, introduces us to a figure from history or contemporary figure, uh, stories from the field. Anna, welcome back in. Thanks. It's great to be back. Glad you're here. Talk to us a minute this morning. What, Who is somebody or some group of people we need to know about this week? So today I want to talk about, an, again, a woman that I think we need to know about, Okay. but I think most people don't know about. All right, let's hear it. Uh, have you heard the name Betsy Stockton? I have. You have because your wife has done some work in this area, right? Absolutely. Wrote her <laughs> master's thesis on Betsy Stockton. Exactly. So Betsy Stockton is a fascinating person yep. in our history. Um, most likely, she was the first single, never married Protestant missionary from America. Wow. What a title. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. What a distinction. Um, <laughs> also, she was a former slave. That's right. Um, and I think that's uh, super interesting for us to, to, to realize in, in history is that a lot of our first missionaries from America were actually slaves right. that were freed. Um, so she was the former slave to the president of the College of New Jersey, which mm-hmm. would now be Princeton, Princeton University. That's right. Well, he, the guy that she was um, a slave to, also helped found the Board of Foreign Missions of the Presbyterian Church. Okay. Um, so she's like around missions and around education, even though she's a slave. Um, she has permission to uh, read in her in her master's library mm-hmm. and to take evening classes at the college. And so she becomes kind of self-educated. Okay. Uh, and as she does that, she uh, just, I think, develops a, a love for education, develops a love for missions as mm-hmm. she hears all these things that her master's involved in. Right. Um, and then she's freed at the age of 20. Uh, but this is before kind of the abolition right. um, of slaves uh, kind of blanketly happens in the North. And so she uh, continues to work for her former owners, but is a paid domestic servant at this okay. point. Um in 1823, she decides that she's called to go do mission work. And right. so she travels with a couple mm-hmm. to Hawaii. From New Jersey From to New Hawaii. Jersey. Yep. And the unfortunate piece of history that I think we right. have to kind of talk about is that she goes as almost the servant of the other missionary couple. Sure. Um, and so she she's, she's she goes, but she's actually, when she's sent out, is they, they, they tell her she has the, the, the qualifications to teach. Wow. And so she um, actually teaches in an indigenous school mm-hmm. in Hawaii um, and, and has a, a really fruitful ministry, it seems like. Right. So these people come to Christ yep. and people discipled, growing in their faith. Yep. And then she returns to mm-hmm. New Jersey, teaches there a little while, um, and then actually goes up to Canada and sets up a different indigenous school mm-hmm. for people in Canada. Wow. Um, she died in 1865. Okay. Uh, just a just an incredible story of a woman that I think, as I said earlier, I don't think many of us know right. uh, her story. But I think it's important that we do know her story. 
Um, she's a woman who, uh, through God's providence, gets an education, through God's providence, um, gets freed mm-hmm. and is able to go and do the work of her Lord um, in, in incredible ways, I think. Yeah, no, what a great, it's, it is a great reminder. And like you said, as we have, uh, through the through the last year or so, worked through these stories, we've seen how God uses uh, different people, different circumstances. And so Betsy Stockton is not not unlike some others, but again, she is this first kind of never married single missionary uh, who who is sent goes uh, from the United States, uh, overcomes a lot of a lot of barriers, a lot of hurdles, and has from all that we can tell a relatively successful ministry. So thanks a ton. What a great story. We would encourage you again as we do each week to go go look online, find some stories, read more about uh, these individuals, and there's a whole lot that we can learn and let the Lord motivate you as we see how God has used and continues to use people through his history. Thanks for being here, Anna. Thank you. Man, today we got a great opportunity uh, in our studios uh, to really uh, engage with the question, what do you do in the holidays? Uh, we have a friend of mine, uh, Clayton Green, and he's Zooming in with us today. So he's not exactly in the studio, Zooming in to talk about uh, his response to a rather uh, embarrassing question that he and his wife got from uh, their daughter at Christmas time and uh, what they did with that, how God used their gifts, their skills, their passion uh, to really create a very fascinating tool uh, that helps people learn to walk with Jesus. Clayton, thanks a ton for being with us. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Hey, Clayton, do us a favor. Uh, introduce yourself. Who Tell us a little bit about who you are. You're a friend of mine. We go to church together. We serve uh, together. But tell us a little bit about yourself, your ministry, your family, and then we'll bridge into uh, this fantastic uh, holiday resource option. Well, of course. Thanks for thanks for having me again. Um, yeah, my name's Clayton Green. I'm a North Carolina native down from southeastern North Carolina. Uh, played tennis and basketball in high school. I went to UNC Chapel Hill for undergrad and graduate school. That When we started going to the same church was actually way back when I was an undergrad. Uh, I started going to the Summit Church um, the second weekend that I was at UNC and then just stayed. I was there for 10 years through undergrad and graduate school. And then I practiced as a physical therapist, which was my grad degree uh, for four years. Uh, but we have this thing at the summit where you can only stay there so long before they send you somewhere. Is that right? That's exactly uh, right. And so I, <laughs> I went down, I was asked and I went down and I became the executive pastor at one of our summit collaborative church plants called the bridge church. Uh, we were there for four years. We had to return to the triangle because of the medical care that is here for my older daughter, Kara, who has a genetic disorder. She's doing great. Uh, and by the way, she's the one that asked me that embarrassing question. Um, but yeah, so then our family's here in Durham now. Uh, we go to the downtown Durham campus. I'm an elder there. My day job is that I am the director of the Summit Collaborative. So I still get to support the Bridge Church and 60 other churches around the country to help them thrive and continue to work towards multiplication Kristen, my wife of 14 years, is an attorney. Kara is 10 and a fourth grader. Susan is eight and a third grader. And gosh, if I asked anything else, we'd have to go to dinner or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Clayton, I'm going to tell you right out of the gate here that we have a copy of these Advent blocks. When they first came out, my wife and I were getting ready to have our first child. 
and thought that this was a brilliant idea. And so we were very excited and picked up one of the first sets that you guys made available, and we've used them for several years now and love the things. Uh, so I was really jazzed, actually, when Scott said that we'd have a chance to have you on and, and unpack what you do with these things. Uh, do me a favor and talk to me a little bit about Advent Blocks, what they are, where they came from. Maybe get into this uh, question that your daughter asked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that embarrassing question happened in 2018. Um, Kara, who was at the time, gosh, she must have been five. I needed to do the math on that. Um, it was December 23rd, 2018, and she said, Mommy and Daddy, you say that Christmas is all about Jesus, but it feels like Christmas is all about presents. Like, that's exactly hmm. the quote. And what a knife in the back, Yikes. right? I mean, what am I supposed to do? After that, we have no chance. We got two days. Uh, you know, and actually, the, the crazy thing is that year we were actually, we were reading an Advent guide of sorts. Um, we were reading different stories, and we, were, we had this emphasis, but it just something had missed, or rather, something had eclipsed what was supposed to be the most important thing. Um, that was the present. So the, the next year, it was November. I'm getting ahead of this thing. I'm searching everywhere, trying to find something that was tangible and beautiful and really built an anticipation all throughout December in the same way that the presence did, but not about the presence, about Jesus. Uh, we couldn't find anything exactly right. So I kind of like dabbling in woodwork. So I, I, I got a couple of blocks and I, I drew a couple of diagrams of how some blocks would move to kind of create a physical anticipation um, and would, would be a, a fun thing for the girls to interact with. Uh, I showed Kristen three options. She pointed at the one in the middle. That's the one that you know as Advent Blocks in your home. And uh, it's. Uh, she said, you should call it Advent Blocks. So she named it and picked it in the moment. And uh, we were surprised at how amazing it was. The next day, I texted uh, a Southeastern PhD alum, uh, Chris Papalardo, and I said, hey, if you write a guide, um, I will get some blocks for you. And he was immediately in. Uh, we've been really great friends before and then through this process as well. That first year, me, our family, the Popularda family, three other families from our small group, we, we all had blocks. And we did it, and it was amazing how it created an, an anticipation of Jesus that year. Uh, our kids were so excited to be doing the blocks every day. It really changed the temperature in our home. The next year, we wanted to extend it to the summit, um, and then we accidentally extended it to 5,000 additional families. And then last year, <laughs> Uh, even more than that, 16,000 families added to to the fold of people that are doing Advent Blocks for their families. So it's wild, the response that we get from families. Uh, it's really been a blessing. Uh, we kind of stumbled into this, and we're just glad that people are able to use it and have this meaningful moment in their homes every December. Yeah, what an awesome, awesome opportunity. Now, Clayton, we're going to try something very uh, nearly impossible on a podcast, which is an audio um uh, medium and your advent blocks are a visual and tangible medium but can you kind of give a description of what these blocks are uh, how they work uh, so that the folks who are listening can actually understand how things how this thing works absolutely keelan where do you uh where do you guys put your blocks is it in the bedroom or in the living room where are they located yeah so we actually have a mantle uh over the fireplace Great. in our living room and that's where we tend to live with them right now well, that's where we see them all on Instagram because it's the most beautiful there. So that's what we do as well. Our girls stand on the chair to get them down. Scott, here's how, how it works. You get 25 blocks numbered 1 through 25, and you line them up. We just tell people to hand the box to your kids, and they intuitively do it. 
Uh, then there's a star block that goes on the top of the one. And then way on the other end of this line of blocks, you put the globe block. It looks like the earth uh, on top of the 25. Then each day, what you do is you take that number block and you turn it one quarter turn and it reveals an image that corresponds to the, to the book, to the guide that you're reading every day. And it corresponds to that story. And then you move the star to sit on top of that block. So on the second day, you turn it and you move the star block. Third day, you turn it and you move the star block. What's really neat is the kids start actually looking at those images and, and recalling the stories and identifying the stories throughout the, the year. Chris wrote it to be all the way from the very beginning, Adam and Eve, all the way through the birth of, of Jesus. And then the, what the shepherd's call is on there on December 25th. And so you're kind of working through this whole story of, of understanding God's presence. And sometimes it's perceived absence from his people, but the fact that he's always there and the promise of his coming is going to be true. So you're moving this star block and the kids are fighting over who gets to turn the block that day and who gets to hold the star block. It's, it's all kinds of fun. And then uh, as the star keeps moving, the star is getting closer and closer to the globe, which is kind of physically demonstrating and creating an anticipation around that truth that God is coming to earth. Then on the 24th, um, probably my favorite part, is that you turn all those blocks with images one more time and it reveals a message that hits the theme nail on the head. And it's all the blocks then read on your mantle, Emmanuel, God with us. And it, that's what happens on the 24th. Uh, it's a great celebration. The star has met the globe. Jesus has come. And it's, it's this great celebration the family has. Yeah, we absolutely love doing it. And the way you described it is very much how it works in our home. We've got two little kids, and they are little at this point. We've got a three-year-old and a, and a one-and-a-half-year-old. And uh, our three-year-old has had these now a couple of years, and she loves this opportunity. And, and the one-and-a-half-year-old got to experience it last year, and we're looking forward to getting to use it again this year with both of them. And, and uh, it is. It, it creates and it frames for us that season uh, in a way that is really helpful, I think, as we're teaching our little children uh, about the priority uh, for the, the season. Uh, so that's one of the things that I absolutely love about how you do this. Now, since this is a podcast and it's audio, is there a space uh, that they can go uh, to see our listeners? If they're wanting to see a view of this, is there a space where they can do it, Clayton? Yeah, the best the best way in order to see it is to go to our website. It is goodkind.shop goodkind.shop. We help people celebrate the good kind of habits and holiday celebrations. So it's goodkind.shop. And uh, right there on the main page, you're going to see a video that shows you how they work. Um, You'll be able to see a number of different images, uh, a couple of different options for how you can get it. You'll see he is here, the adult guide that we have now. It corresponds with the blocks, but is written in a, in a deeper kind of um, more, um, you know, reflective kind of way for the spiritual growth of the adults. You don't have to have that. You actually don't even have to have the blocks if you want to use that. We, we made that specifically so that churches could use the whole program in order to align their whole church. We do something called the local church program, uh, you know, being in church planting and loving the local church so much. You know, we, uh, we wanted to make sure that churches had access to this for their people. So with their local church program, churches, when they buy just a minimum of 12 sets, get 30% off and free shipping. We give them uh, a sermon series starter kit where we've done a lot of research uh, that they can use for a sermon series. We get There's a song we have with a lyric video. Uh, we have slides and Instagram um, 
you know, social images that they can use as well. We give them all that for free because we believe that discipleship happens in the home, but it's best when done with the whole church. So, you know, these are our, this is our, our mission field. You know, if we're not out on, you know, far away on a mission field, all of us has a mission field in our home. And we want to resource people in churches in order to do that specifically this December or next December, whenever it is. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, one of the things I really like about this, Clayton, I love the blocks and I love the concept of the blocks, but I also love the way that uh, you and Chris and your families took this one challenging question and then leverage your interest and your skills as a way of saying, how can we be obedient to what God wants us to do to fulfill his mission and use the way that God had shaped us so that we could accomplish that? Yeah, absolutely. It, it really has been It's something that um, was a gift to our family, a gift to Chris's family. You know, Chris will say all the time, what we're trying to do is just to figure out how to help our families practice our faith, um, to know God and to make him known. And as we are trying to figure that out, we're trying to provide resources um, to help other people do that as well. So, so it really is an outworking of us trying to do this with our families, uh, feeling like it's been a gift to us and then offering as a gift to others. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned to you that my grandkids have gotten this. So, you know, you're a little bit younger than I am. So it wasn't around when I had little kids. So I'm having to see how to do this through my grandkids. So they have a set of these blocks this year. So we'll see how that works. But I'll be interested hearing from you and from Keelan and Clayton, maybe some stories that you've heard. What are some of the ways that this uh, this project and this tool has really blessed families? And what are some tangible ways that you guys have seen or heard um, that the, that people's faith has been deepened, their kids have been have been reached. Can you just tell us a bit about the blessings that come from this? I'd be happy to dig in on that one because I do think there's a couple of couple of ways for that are real obvious for me. One, this gives us a way to essentially catechize our children uh, that I think is really really helpful here. The story nature of it, so it's it's I mean to get into some fancy seminary language, you're right, it's kind of a diachronic approach. It's a through time telling of what's going on and with the various. Uh, scripture passages that that you guys used, and it gives us an opportunity for our daughter and soon our son to be able to start learning those stories. And she's already doing that. It's fascinating, as young as she is, how she's able to to make those connections, as you were saying, with the different icons, the different images that are on the blocks, and then the story that they represent, she's able to start telling the story herself. That's a fascinating thing for us to see. Another thing that I have noticed as we've done this and the rest of the family up above us, so we're talking grandparents and aunts and uncles and all of those people, so if and when they're around and visiting for Christmas, the, when, they, when they come in for the season, this is a, a moment in our home that they're now participating in as well, and it starts to frame, not just for the kids, but for the rest of the family, uh, what it, what it is we're doing at this time of year and what it is we're commemorating and what it is we're celebrating and reflecting on. That means so much that uh, to hear you say that when we, we try to do stuff like that, but hearing that having been your experiences uh, is beautiful. I, I, and I, I have benefited in the same way. Uh, one of the things about Chris's writing um, is that he has this amazing ability to write something that is engaging for, you know, we say three to 13, two, two to 12, something like that. It's really engaging for, that's the sweet spot. But what we hear time and time again, Scott, is uh, the teenager in the home that actually the blocks weren't purchased for them. 
start sitting in the room because the stories are that engaging that the the mom or the dad who is reading you know at some point there's one of these stories for me it's the jeremiah story every year that brings a tear to my eye the temple story every year is just so meaningful and kind of reminds me of things um it reminds me of the uh, god's presence and his desire to be with his his people uh, it, it's it does end up hitting everyone even though you know you think blocks and you think kind of this small age range uh, that's one of the things. I mean, another thing is like the the, the kind of the block turning aspect of it. We've heard time and time again. I tried to do an Advent thing for such a long time, but we just never could quite finish or follow through. And I think the blocks kind of make the kid. We like to say, if you do something fun and you tell your kids that they can do the fun thing with you, it actually makes your kids little accountability partners because they'll come and they'll say, hey, we have to do the blocks. We no have doubt. to do the blocks. No doubt. And we've heard that time and time again. We made it so you can pack it up very easily. The boxes, you can store it in year to year. You can take it to your family's house if you're traveling during the holidays. So, I mean, so there's a lot of things that we've kind of built in from a habit forming perspective that allows people to start and finish this rhythm, which I think that's like a really meaningful thing. There's a refrain that we haven't even mentioned. Um, at the end of every day, there's this uh, these pat- this patentable phrase. It, it kind of varies based on the Bible character, but it ends with you saying, everybody's praying, God, will you come back to stay? They feel like he's not there, and they're saying, God, will you come back? He is always there, but there's this culmination of that story in, in Christ, um, God becoming man. Uh, and then that refrain actually changes on the 17th, um, and it actually says he is coming. Um, and so a couple of those small things really kind of make um, – it really does build an anticipation that builds up to the 25th around not just the presence but about Jesus. And that's that's been a really, really consistent theme from people is that they start, they finish, and then it's not just the, the kids. It's, it's, the whole, um, it's the whole family. I will say there's been one thing for me that's been particular – there's one story in particular that's impactful for me. It was a mom – who was kind of the primary spiritual kind of force in the home, got these blocks, uh, had the blocks, um, was reading them to her kids. The, the kids started asking the father, hey, will you read? Hey, will you read? And the father began to sit down, didn't read all of them, but, but sat down and actually read a couple of the stories uh, and started getting engaged with the story of the gospel with the whole family. Now, I, I don't know where that story ended, but it, pulling everyone in in the family, especially pulling that father in to be engaged in that way spiritually with his family, man, if, if that was the only thing that happened, that probably would have been good enough. But we have all these other things as well. Man, that is incredible. So, so exciting to hear that. What a, what a great tool. Um, and this is a great time to do it. It's, uh, you know, we're pushing into toward the holiday season. You've been walking in the stores, their Christmas stuff up. Uh, Thanksgiving stuff up. It's time to start getting an, a little bit of, of plan ahead. So if you're interested in this, you can go to uh, to the website. Clayton, what else is on the future? I know that uh, you didn't just stop with the Advent blocks. It's kind of planted a seed, and you guys have, have pushed a little bit beyond that. Uh, what else do you have out there? And uh, give you just a little chance to tell folks what they can find when they go to your website. Yeah, so we uh, the very easy kind of next thing is we did Easter blocks. Uh, it was really creative, but I actually think Chris his writing on that is even better. It has a refrain. It's a it's a blocks that sit on your table. It's kind of like a puzzle that you do every day, and there's a candle in it. Um, it's even better than Advent blocks, in my opinion. More people do Advent blocks because more people are into it. But uh, Easter blocks, we're doing something called Sabbath box. 
it helps you create a regular rhythm of, of work and rest in your home. Uh, it's particularly important for pastors. Um, we have the Gratacube now, which is the newest product, which is a daily um, table conversation game that takes kind of your typical high-low, rose thorn, like let's have a, a table conversation, and it adds the an element of gratitude to God into it, um, and it adds a lot of variety as well. So, so that's been really fun. Um, so that's where we are right now, but we've got some ideas for Bible reading and prayer and, and some other things to help people really practice their faith kind of in the pipeline. It's awesome. And again, the thing that excites me the most about this conversation, the, the blocks and the creativity, but really it's this notion, Clayton, that you have um, decided to let the Lord use your talents, your skills, the opportunity that comes from a, a rather probing question from a little girl, and really push you forward in ministry that has made a difference. And that really is the focus of, of our whole podcast, right? The Scent Life. God is a missionary God. We're as missionary people. And part of that is our using God's talent and God's calling to reach people for the sake of the gospel. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, Clayton. It was a great opportunity for us to hear about this really unique tool and resource. Uh, I do hope that uh, a lot of people go, hey, this is a, a good opportunity for, for us and a family and check out what you've got going on here. I know that we have certainly enjoyed them, and I appreciate you spending time with us today to talk through that. Yeah, if you're interested in the Advent Blocks or anything else, uh, the website, Clayton, again, is what? Goodkind.shop. Goodkind.shop. We'll have that that website, that link in the description to the podcast. If you want to know a little bit more about that, you can go there. But again, the recommendation that we would give, I think Keelan gives a really strong recommendation for the product. We have a really strong recommendation for the lifestyle. And so thanks a ton for being here. So we also want to say to all of our listeners here, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that this was a joy and a benefit for you as well. Uh, you're, of course, able to find us wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, make sure you share. And if you ever want to reach out to us, you can find us in all the places on social media as well. Feel free to stop by and catch us there. Hey, welcome back. Uh, we're super excited again to have Dr. George Robinson in our studio as we talk about going out of the tower. George, what do we go out of the tower and do this week? Yeah, and this season, I'm kind of building off of the concept of the core missionary task. Right. Uh, the IMB talks about how in order to live like a missionary, you need to have an entry strategy, evangelism strategy, disciple-making strategy, gathering strategy, then leadership development, partnership, and exit. And so this week, we're going to talk through an evangelism strategy called sharing your story in 15 seconds or a 15 second testimony. Wow, that's great. Let's see how that works. So there was a time in my life, Scott, that I was broken and without hope, but somebody took the time to share with me that God demonstrates his love for me and that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. So I turned from my sin, I trusted in Christ, and now my life's filled with hope and peace. Do you have a story like that? I do, but I'm not sure I can make it work in 15 <laughs> seconds. I hadn't practiced. <laughs> so I, I think if we looked at the clock here, that would come in right at 15 seconds. And so when you're talking about sharing your testimony as an evangelism strategy, oftentimes people will ramble on and right. on and on, and they haven't thought through it. Um, and you end up not creating questions in the mind of the listener mm -hmm. because you're carrying that story on. And so what I want to do 
when I'm uh, starting a conversation is share that 15-second testimony, and it becomes an on-ramp into a deeper gospel conversation. So the 15-second story starts with looking back. What was your life like before Christ? Just think of two words or two concepts that define what your life was like before. My two words were broken and without hope. Okay. And so those two words, if I use those in sharing my story, they elicit questions on Mm. the part of the hearer. Okay, what do you mean you were broken? Mm -hmm. What does it look like to live without hope? And you're creating a connection point. Then you move to the middle part of the story, how you came to know Christ. And I tell people that, you know, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. And so I want to make the word central to Mm -hmm. my story because it's really not about me. Um, It's about the message of the gospel. So I drop Romans 5, 8 in there. And and I encourage people when you're sharing your story, whatever scripture verse that summarizes the gospel, drop it right mm-hmm. into the middle and then show how you responded to that. And so I use the words turned from my sin yeah. and trusted in Jesus okay. uh, with regards to that message. And then finally, the 15 second story ends with how the gospel has changed your life or what I call bring, bringing Jesus into the present hmm. tense. So a lot of people, especially here in the South, you'll talk to them about Christianity, and they'll say, oh, yeah, I did that a long time ago. Oh, yeah. But you've got to bring the gospel, bring Jesus into the present tense. How is the gospel affecting your life today? How does your relationship with God, uh, how is that displayed through the way you're living today? Mm -hmm. And so my two words for that part of the segment are, uh, now my life is filled with hope Mm -hmm. and with peace. And those correspond to the initial two words, broken and without hope. Okay. And so what that does, giving this short on-ramp of my story in 15 seconds elicits questions, Mm -hmm. and then it also, I don't know if you noticed, but I ended with the question, do you have a story like that? And the reason I do that is because that then gives the person, whoever I'm talking with, permission to share their story. Whether it's like mine or not, Mm -hmm. now I'm able to hear where they're coming from and look for ways to connect and bring the gospel to bear on their life. That's awesome. And and 15 seconds is a kind of a a non-confrontational moment, right? I mean, in a a line at a movie theater, sitting next to someone on an airplane, anytime you just enter into some type of discussion, drop that in. So I love that. That's great. Yeah, I was at dinner this past weekend in uh, Nashville. My wife and I went out to dinner. And one of the things in a post-COVID context um, that we need to do is thank people for being present. Right. Because, quite frankly, a lot of people have withdrawn in society, withdrawn from the workforce. You'll see signs all over restaurants that say, sorry, we're short-staffed. And so first thing I did is I looked at the server and I said, thank you for being here. A lot of people have chosen to kind of exit the workplace and you're here and like I'm benefiting from it. So thank you. And she was like, nobody's ever said that before. Wow. She said, why would you say that? I said, because there was a time in my life when I was broken and without hope, but somebody took the time to share with me that God demonstrates his love for me and that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. So I turned from my sin. I trusted in Jesus. Now my life is filled with hope and peace, and I want you to have a story like that. Great. Love that. All right, everybody's assignment this week is to look back, look into the Bible, look into the present, and to write your 15-second testimony and then let's use it. And if you do that, um, send us a note somewhere. We'd love to hear your stories of how you used your 15-second testimony and maybe how God used that to uh, challenge someone to trust Christ. Thanks for being with us, George. You bet. Thank you.